Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Denny Geek Network, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. I'm your host, journalist, author, researcher of weird things, Aaron Sagers, also from 28 Days Haunted on Netflix and Paranormal Caught on Camera. Now airing its sixth season on Sundays on Travel Channel and the Max Streaming Service and the Discovery Plus Streaming service and boy do we have just a powerhouse of an episode this week i'm very excited about this as you probably remember i was recently out at san diego comic-con i hope you remember it was just like less than two weeks ago and i was able to sit down with some of my favorite creators and people really i just genuinely respect that are doing some cool things in the spooky nerd space and i have two of them for you this week and they're both big names. First off, Jamie Lee Curtis. That's right, I get to sit down with Jamie Lee Curtis. And returning for a third time on Talking Strange, David Dasmalshin. First up, let's just acknowledge that Jamie Lee Curtis is a national treasure, and I do not say that lightly. Not only is she an acting icon that has spanned every genre. I mean, we're talking about in horror with John Carpenter's Halloween and The Fog and the rebooted Halloween sequels. She's been in comedies, Trading Places, A Fish Called Wanda, Freaky Friday. She's been in action, like True Lies, in dramas like Knives Out and Everything All at Once, for which she also just won an Oscar this year. In addition... To all of that, she's really on the right side of history by speaking out about important issues, including standing up for transgender people. She's a philanthropist, a podcaster, a children's book author, and now she is co-writer of a horror graphic novel called Mother Nature, and that's published by Titan Comics and also co-written by filmmaker Russell Goldman with art by Carl Stevens. The book is already set to be adapted into a Blumhouse Productions movie, which will be directed by Curtis herself. So, here's the synopsis for Mother Nature, which is available on August 8th, 2023. After witnessing her father die in mysterious circumstances on one of the Cobalt Corporation's experimental oil extraction projects, Nova Terrell 
has grown up to despise the seemingly benevolent company relied upon by the town of Catch Creek, New Mexico. The rebellious Nova wages a campaign of sabotage against the oil giant until one night she accidentally makes a terrifying discovery about the true nature of the Mother Nature Project and a threat that could destroy the entire town. So let's get to it. Here's a force of nature of a person and creator of the graphic novel, Mother Nature, Jamie Lee Curtis. Hey, Denny Geek fans, Aaron Sagers here. We're at San Diego Comic-Con 2023, and I've got the creative team behind this gorgeous new graphic novel called Mother Nature. We've got the writers, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Russell Goldman, and artist Carl Stevens. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I, I have read the book, uh, but I still want you to set up this story of Nova and Catch Creek, New Mexico, and the nefarious Cobalt Corporation. Just uh, set the table a little bit about the story. Okay. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> Silence. We're off to a banger of a start you know here, what? Jamie. And because it's about something, and therefore I have to think. I can't just regurgitate like, oh, well, it's this and this. It's it's about greed. It's mm. about how Cobalt Energy Corporation has been raping the land for a long, long time. And Nova Terrell is the daughter of Kai Terrell, who has leased her land for the newest program. Yes. Um, started by an engineer named Nancy Denton, whose daughter Riley Denton is also in the book, Mother Nature, get it? Two mothers, two daughters. And they have, uh, Nancy has come up with a purification process for water that has been fracking water to make it drinkable and to green the environment again. And that's what they're positing to the people of Catch Creek and of course, there's a moment where Nova, who's the rebel, who believes it's all BS, um, is anthropomorphized, has a moment where she is struck by lightning, Mother Nature, and emerges as a, a, as a demon and basically wreaks havoc. There's, there's good, good, good kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Sound Absolutely. all right? Yeah, it's it's like the first time I've said it, and I wanted to make it thoughtful and not just sort of regurgit regurgitory. Do you have anything to add to that? The, the demon specifically is, and this came with uh, a lot of this project was uh, working with indigenous writers um, because this is a, a multicultural story. We, we want to be incredibly respectful. Um, the, the demon is called the, the Naye, uh, the enemy of the people. Um, and we were uh, we were encouraged to uh, use that myth uh, and 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 create something positive out of it um, that and, and educational out of it. So uh, that's that's a little bit of uh, there's uh, of the context culturally that's going yeah, on with that character. There is a lot of indigenous representation in the book, yeah. which I really enjoyed. And and genre wise. It's interesting to me because it strikes me as horror. It's got some sci-fi in it and some supernatural elements all bundled up together. But there's also this righteous anger that I picked up on that if you, when you push the earth just so far, the earth is going to push back and be quite Wait, pissed what? <laughs> the earth is going to push back? We've had the hottest days on record in the history of the United States this last week. 
um, the uh, state of Pennsylvania had a month's amount of rain in an hour. People are dying all over the country because of what we're doing. And so the indignation is righteous and perfect because this is how you make change. You make art that makes you change. And I mean, from my standpoint, and by the way, the art, this is a great um, cause, it's a great thing for us to talk about, but it has to be drawn and painted, which is why uh, young, young Carl here in the middle yeah. um, was pressed into two years of laborious work mm -hmm. to create this beautiful book. I'll show you some pictures while you talk. Well, and as you're looking at that, let me say, I totally agree with you. As I was reading this book, I was also thinking about recently living in New York City where the sky has been on fire. So, uh, uh, Carl, while uh, Jamie's pulling up some pages, talk about the artistic approach to this and also representing horror and gore on the comic book page, which you do in a beautiful and effective and striking way. Uh, well, thanks. Um, I guess I was really, you know, I mean, like I, I wanted to do the project because I, I hadn't done anything that was quite like it before. And I've, I've always had a, you know, hankering to do some uh, horror comics to like, you know, draw some blood and also to do something that was, you know, uh, like cinematic. I mean, I feel like my style kind of lends itself to that anyways. You know, not just the realism, but just the way that I storytell, you know, has like a very, um, you know, like filmic quality to it, so. Well, it's, by the way, it's one of the great, in movies, you know, they make storyboards, which help directors tell the story, help the camera crew know what the shots are. We have, like, the greatest storyboard ever mm -hmm. in history. So, for instance, when we talk about gore, this is what I wanted as the cover. It's the beginning of the book when there's an accident with an oil derrick where a man is crushed by the horse head, whatever that's called, on the top of it. But then... This is what I want to show you guys. <clears throat> I don't know if any of you guys watch YouTube videos of hailstorms around the country recently. I believe there have been some concerts at Red Rocks that were washed out by this hailstorm. So would you hold this for me? Of course. Thank you. Um, I have, whenever I'm in a hailstorm, I'm always like, oh my God, could that really kill people? Well, they're playing football on a football field and this father, gets a hailstone to the head, and then the son gets a hailstone to the head, and then everybody gets hailstones, and it will kill people. And that's where the horror graphic, it's a graphic novel. It has to be graphic. That's true. And actually, um, I, I wanted to have like the balance between, you know, the like beautiful kind of southwestern like vistas like mixed with like all this horror. I mean, like there's something about like the like beauty of nature, like being ruins that, you know, like I, I, I wanted to get that symbolism across visually. You so. did a beautiful yeah. job. And, and it's you. great. And it gets very gnarly right away, which I love. Gnarly. I, I, I'm getting the rap sign, but I'm sorry. I'm a publicist are going to kill me. I have to ask this question because you're. This story is also about parents, and it seems like there's, as you said, mothers. And there's this theme of parents thinking they are doing what's best for their children, thinking they know what's best, but ultimately mucking it up even more and and essentially ruining things for their kids. Right. I just I want you to respond to that a little bit about how that affects you personally. Did that come from a personal space and and kind of why you, you went with that storyline? 
Well, I've been, I wrote this when I was 19. Oh. I was worried about the environment when I was 19 years old. I knew we were blowing it. I knew it. I just didn't know how to manifest um, my feelings about it. Um, but I was also raised on Father Knows Best. I was raised on the Brady Bunch and, you know, that was the mentality of families. And I think these hard questions have to be talked about. And the, the good news is that people in a modern world understand that father doesn't know best, mother doesn't know best, scientists know best, um, uh, and we have to listen to them. And so um, from, from that standpoint, I don't think there's anything a publicist will be mad at about it. I'm a parent, I'm a flawed parent because I did the best I could with the best tools I had based on how I was raised. And I'm sure we can all attest to that. It's, it's gnarly being a parent but we are the parents, we, we are the family of this world, Mother Nature. We are her family. And if we don't gather together, and in our case, we made art to help talk about it and to entertain you and gross you out and hopefully make you cry. I think one exciting piece about this project is that it is a multi-generational story and you, and you, get, you get different perspectives and you get... Um, you get climate anxiety from Jamie's generation and, and my generation. And I think that a lot of that is paired in these two mothers and these two daughters, these mothers that, as you said, are trying to do the best for their kids, um, don't always see uh, the full picture uh, and, they, and they can mess up. Um, but the story is, the emotional through line of this uh, is, is what world are we leaving behind for the next generation and, and how are we trying to raise the next generation? And that's where you geeks come in. <laughs> because geeks will save the world, and we all know it. Well, the book is Mother Nature. It's a great horror book, a great horror comic, but uh, also has a great message to it, an important message to it. So, Jamie, Russell, Carl, thank you so much for joining us thank today. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, geeks. We love you. We love geeks. Love we geek. love geeks. I raised a nerd. I'm, I'm a mother of a nerd. <laughs> I'm a mother of a nerd herd. Nerd I'm a, like full... Full on geek. The geeks will inherit the, the earth. Geeks will inherit the earth and save the earth is really what we're trying to talk about. Thanks a lot, you guys. So. Thanks, guys. And that was Jamie Lee Curtis, acting icon, genuinely good human being by all accounts, and co writer of the new eco horror graphic novel, Mother Nature. She was joined by co writer, filmmaker Russell Goldman, and artist Carl Stevens. And that book is coming out on. August 8th, 2023. Also, it should be noted that Jamie Lee Curtis is likewise currently appearing in the new Haunted Mansion film as Madame Leota. And as I've said before, we had director Justin Simeon on the on the episode on Talking Strange last week. And I really enjoyed the movie. And I think Jamie Lee Curtis does such a nice fun turn as Madame Leota in a way that really don't really expect adds some more depth to the character. But Jamie Lee Curtis could not discuss the Haunted Mansion due to the SAG after strike. And it should be noted that I support SAG and the WGA's efforts for better working conditions. So maybe down the road when everything's resolved, maybe we can go back and talk about Haunted Mansion with her. Next up, actor and comic creator David Desmalchian returned to Talking Strange at the Den of Geeks studios at San Diego Comic-Con. David is hands down one of my favorite people to talk to because 
He has a sincere love of weird stories and weirdness in general. He's a monster movie kid like me. He also has a huge heart and really is a delightful human being. Just just nice to spend time with him. He's a likable person. Of course, you can currently catch David in the blockbuster movie Oppenheimer, which marks his on-screen reunion with Christopher Nolan, who first gave David his big break in 2008 with The Dark Knight. David is also appearing in a lead role in The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is sort of this lost chapter of the Dracula legend as briefly hinted at by author Bram Stoker in the novel Dracula. Now, The Last Voyage of the Demeter opens August 11th, and I have seen it, but I can't talk about it. Uh, I can't talk about it right now, anyhow. Because at the time of this episode recording, there's embargoes in place, so I can't tell you anything about it. But I've seen it. As it happens, David also could not talk about his film work on the Demeter. Because during this interview, the SAG after strike was still ongoing. And again, I support the efforts of the SAG and the Writers Guild. However, David could talk about the continuing adventures of Count Crowley, his Dark Horse Comics title. And we discuss his new comic book venture, Knights vs. Samurai, which is a title announced at San Diego Comic-Con, and that will be published with legend Todd McFarlane. And Todd is someone that I also just deeply respect as a comic book nerd, so the pairing of David and Todd McFarlane is pretty amazing. We also talk about spooky stuff in general, and you can tell I'm geeking out uh, talking with David, who is a kindred spirit. So, listen up. Here's my talk with David Dasmalshian. Hey, hey, Denna Geek fans and Talking Strange fans. Aaron Sagers here at San Diego Comic-Con. It's early in the morning. We're still going strong. And we're going strong because I'm joined by just a delightful human being, a person I'm so excited to be around. It's this guy. I know he's looking around. It's him, this human right here, David Dasmalshin from Count Crowley. And it's San Diego Comic-Con. And it's this boy's birthday weekend. Just Yay. yesterday, right? Yeah, it was my big, big birthday yesterday. Uh, I feel like a kid uh, every time I show up at San Diego. But especially, like, I love talking to you, Aaron, because all the things that you know I love, I got to celebrate. And I'm still celebrating this whole weekend. So, Hi everybody! Hi all my friends out there. I'm uh, I'm honored to spend a snippet of your birthday weekend with you, my Thanks, friend. Thanks, man. I'm honored to get to talk to you. You know, I love whenever we get to freak out over our fiendish love of all things monster and all yeah. things genre and all things nerdy. And uh, it's great to be back in the uh, in the basement. Yes, yes, our our little den here. Uh, well, before we get into your comic book stuff and everything you've got going on. Just as far as the con floor and San Diego Comic-Con, what's been the stuff you've been nerding out about here, outside of work, just yeah. your thing? I love the discoveries. I love walking the floor. I got, um, just because I, I work in acting, I, it's, it, I, I have to usually go in my own cosplay and disguise mm-hmm. so that... Um, I don't, you know, get caught up in talking to people about other stuff. Sometimes I just want to get to go and do my exploring, right? So I was looking through some great Golden Age collections on the floor. There's obviously so many great distributors and retailers that show up and bring so many of their best wares. And I love getting to sift through and look for some of the stuff that... I'm always on the hunt for including vintage EC comics, always looking for great creepy, always looking for great eerie stuff, old the famous monsters guys are back this year with a really cool booth. Uh, 
And something that was really cool for me this year, uh, I have a six and a nine-year-old, and my nine-year-old's done cons with me before. He's a big anime fan, but my daughter, who's six, this was her first time coming to a convention, so you can imagine how blown their minds were walking on the floor of San Diego Comic-Con. And they are all into things that I don't even know about yet, which is really cool. My son's big into gaming, so he's already tracking where the cool um, fan art and stuff is, but they were into squid kitties, which... I don't know about squid what? kitties. I do now. They're cats with tentacles. And boy, my kids it's blew their whole Comic-Con budget on getting as many squid kitties as they could. So shout out to whoever created that amazing thing because it, it's, it's pretty fascinating. That's kind of the cool thing about pop culture is that, and, and getting older, because like, we're, we're pretty much the same age. And I think when you reach that age where culture starts to shift, you can either uh, be old man yelling at, clouds like what are kids into these days and yeah darn that rock and or roll music you know but or you can embrace it and think this is just freaking cool that there's all this new stuff happening and i'm of that category i am too and i think that uh it's really easy obviously to sit back and make things aren't as good as they were when i was a kid and things aren't as cool as they were when i was a kid and it's really hard especially when they're coveted uh, ips when there's something that you look at and you go oh my God, that was so perfect when I was a kid. And now this new version of it is whatever. I don't like the color on it. I don't like the the the, 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 the themes of the way they're taking these characters. And it's like step back because it's someone else's turn sometimes. And I think the real true test for me, um, and I don't want to go down to the rabbit hole of all of this stuff, but it's like recently watching a film where people were, you know, the old school fans of a franchise were like, oh, I don't like what they're doing with this. I don't like what they're doing with this. And I watched it with my nine-year-old. And when you watch your nine-year-old jump on his chair in uh, every time a certain theme plays or every time a certain character comes on and you're like, yeah, that's the same magic mm-hmm. it had when I was a kid. So what's blocking me from enjoying those things? Is it this... Uh, is it this, have I gotten jaded? Am I just wanting it to be my own? But like you said, when you can go out there and just be like, oh my God, I'm going to geek out over seeing all the stuff that, and it, it's hard because we want to feel familiar. That's one of the things that bonds us all when we're in geek culture is like, I know a lot about this certain thing. So when there's stuff I don't know about it, that can feel vulnerable. Mm. And I think it's really important for us as not only just consumers, but as people who love the uh, whole genres of fantasy, horror, anything superhero related in that space um it's always important to keep your heart and your mind open because you just don't know when you're going to stumble across a new squid kitty yeah or or some really cool universal horror stuff that you and i would appreciate and love including i saw a custom a special uh comic-con exclusive on creature from the black lagoon that i was like oh my god and and maybe some old school guy would be well creature would never be day glow or whatever (laughs) glow and dark and i was like I think it's awesome. I think it's, uh, we talk about empathy as far as understanding the plight of other people and that is very important, but there's the empathy of joy too, of when someone finds joy in something, like rooting around that and being like, hell yeah. Like It's so e- much easier to sit back and go, no. like, And it's it, it, if you take that step forward and you're open to it, the worst possible thing maybe is is you don't like the way something's constructed. You know, if you have your problems with it, that's totally fine. I'm not saying you have to love everything, 
But man, you're right. Have that empathy for another person's love for the thing and celebrate that. That's what brings us together and that's what doesn't create tribalism. Because you'd be, I mean, you know you're part of this world as much as I am. And there can be, as ridiculous as it sounds, tribalism, even in a convention where those of us who've all been outsiders feel like we finally found a place to belong, it can pop up in a second mm. if we're not careful. Well, your creation, Count Crowley, kind of brought us together because I was so into this creation of yours. It's Aww. such a, well, I truly love it. And, uh, you know, I know that you've got a, uh, a horror comics panel, I think, happening today. Uh, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm doing a horror comics panel here with some amazing creators. Yeah. I mean, Rodney Barnes is on it. Scott Snyder's yep. there. I've got uh, my co-writer of the new uh, Dark Horse uh, one-shot we're doing for Halloween, Leah Kilpatrick. We did the Headless Horseman uh Oh my God, dude. I'm so excited. Yeah. So many cool people on there. Moderated by the very great Jonathan James, by yes, the way. Yes, yes. And so what is the state of Count Crowley right now? What's happening with Jerry? What are we looking at uh, right now? So I've been down in the lab. I've been uh, working on this lab. I've been piecing together all the body parts. And I am always in cahoots with Lucas Kettner, my collaborator. Um, and... I am so excited about the direction of Count Crowley. What's been a really get, a great gift for me is that um, slowly the audience and sales of Count Crowley, it's never been this like big explosive hit. It's just steadily increased its viewership and its readership over the last three, four, five years now. And I'm incredibly grateful for that because it's the likelihood of then continuing to get to tell the story that I really want to tell and get to the places I need to get in the journey of Jerry's, you know, discovery of what it means to be an appointed monster hunter is getting closer. So one big thing, uh, when do we post this? Do you know where this goes out? whenever you want to okay. put it out there. Because there's tomorrow on Sunday, we will be making a really cool announcement. My first opportunity, because I have my own production company as yeah. well, Good Fiend Good Films. Good Films. Yes, and I am able to, because Count Crowley um, is a, 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 a character that I created, and I, have, um, I can kind of do what I want with her. Um, my first like officially licensed um, merchandising uh, announcement happening tomorrow, which I'm very excited about, especially for all of the horror and Halloween fans out there. And uh, so, yeah. Can you tell us about it if we hold this until next if, week? If you guys hold yeah. it until yeah, next week. Got our oh, my God. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. So I... <laughs> Years ago, worked on a horror movie with an amazing special effects artist, my friend um, George Frangadakis, who has gone on to be one of the co-owners of the one of the best, if not the best, premium silicone mask, Halloween mask making companies in the world, Immortal Masks. And so I and George have been talking for a long time about how to make this collaboration work and they are geniuses. They are the greatest sculptors in this space. And what they've done is put together um, a incredibly beautiful Jerry Bartman, Count Crowley, ghoul mask uh, that is going to be making an appearance at my panel that I'm doing for horror. And, uh, and then we have another um, vampire Hubert mask that's coming very soon um, and they'll all be ready in time for Halloween this year and I am freaking the out it is the coolest thing that you could get an exclusive Count Crowley 
mask. It comes with a certificate of authenticity, like an old Warren Publishing kind of certificate of authenticity uh, sticker. And it's just the mask. The craftsmanship and the masks are amazing. And so if yeah, when you post this by tomorrow, we will be releasing imagery. So then you could uh, hopefully accompany what I'm talking about right now so people can see exactly how freaking cool this is. But to me, getting to make some cool big announcements this week at Comic-Con, that is something I never imagined that characters I've created in my version of the ghoul, my version of the vampire is going to be captured in a silicone mask. Um, it's insane. This is what I want to happen. I want a mask. I want a mask. <laughs> you got <laughs> it. I uh, I want. Okay, we're heading into spooky. Well, spooky season is year round, but we're yeah, heading into starts fall. like January fifteenth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want like a, a. I want you to get out to New York Comic Con, or I want to do something with you in the fall where there's like a flash mob of Jerry's Jerry ah. masks. Okay, we're putting it out there to the we're, universe we're, right we're now. We're gonna make All this the happen. Devils uh, are gonna come together. We're gonna make this happen. I am gonna be at New York Comic Con this year. Come Dude. hell or high water, let's meet up there. But yes, I want to throw a. The first time I saw uh, a Jerry cosplay was totally my own partner in crime. My wife, uh, Eve, did this insane Jerry uh, cosplay. It was at New York Comic Con in like 2018 or 2017, and I crapped my pants, and then I have since seen some really amazing ones. And uh, But this will be with the mask. Are you kidding? Oh, my God. All right. I'll see you guys there. We'll make it happen. So yesterday we had in the room uh, Todd McFarlane, and he was talking about McFarlane toys and collectibles and everything. I love Todd. Uh, I've been a fan of his for a long time and then fortunate to like interact with him. And I was just looking at some news about, oh, I wonder what, how the rest of Todd's uh, weekend is going. And then I saw uh, Knights vs. Samurai. Yes! So this is another comic coming from this gentleman that was just announced. Uh, Knights vs. Samurai. I want you to tell me about it, but when I read that title, it was so like... Like, of course, uh, but and yet no one has done it. Uh, it was it, like it spoke to m- not inner child, full child. Yeah. I'm like, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. The idea has been up here for so long. I mean, ever since I was a kid obsessed with D&D as well as, you know, Shogun and all of the fascination that I always had with Japanese culture. I studied Japanese when I was in high school and Japanese history is, 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 is something I'm kind of obsessed with. For years, I've been listening to Uncanny Japan, one of the best podcasts out there, which is all about the mythology and the lesser known, um, you know, monsters and um, historical kind of um, fables of Japan. combining those two worlds to me in a world of fantasy where dragons exist, where magic is real, where there's wizards and sorcerers and oni and all kinds and manner of necromancy um, was to me like just this fun house of creativity that I could see instantly. I mean, I can see katana meeting broadsword smashing Mm. and sparks flying and I can see the way that armors would look against one another in battle and in truth... You know, the West and the East, although there was different intersections, um, but Japan and England, there wasn't a a real uh, recorded uh, meeting until like the 17th century. So I set this uh, in a true uh, to history kind of timeline where maybe kings, queens, etc. emperors were uh, historically accurate, but everything else I've been able to like manufacture and create my own reality. And so I set this in the 16th century. And it's this fictional intersection where 
a uh, a, a regiment of knights sent by a duke, um, believing that they're on a holy mission to avenge missionaries who were savaged on this island in the far, far east, um, were savaged by these monstrous beings who really um, did... Uh, were, were evil and 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 so these knights are sent believing in their hearts that they're going to do uh, the Lord's work if you will yeah. and arriving on this island and being confronted with warriors the likes of which they've never seen before and quickly realizing that these are humans and they're also um, the, 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 they're, they're something that's that that's that's off something is wrong in, in the in the what they've been told as opposed to what they've discovered the same thing if you flip it around is true of these warriors on the beach in Japan. I, and I have the intersection happening in the kind of northernmost part of um, one of the islands north. And I and I just, I believe, man, that like one of the ways people in power have always maintained that power and dominance over the rest of us is by systematically trying to convince us that people that look different than us, that behave differently than us, that dress differently, that speak differently than us, uh, live different places than us are if not um, so different us that they deserve different treatment, oftentimes even that they're our enemies. And utilizing that power and utilizing that that kind of separatism is a way that the elites, I believe, have been able to bleed uh, the, 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 the soldiers, the foot soldiers, the working class dry. And so I wanted to have these these stories, this story set in a time of you know feudal England, feudal Japan, the warriors believing one another are their enemies and then coming to discover that there's more to the story than they thought. And so watching knights and samurai battle each other to me is a dream come true. And I can't wait to see them standing side by side facing off against some of the most mythic monsters you've ever encountered. Okay, so there is going to be sort of this fantasy and these other monstrous yeah, so elements to it's it. It's a time of dragons and there's few dragons left in the world. And they've also been convinced by the aristocracy that the dragons are evil. They're tantamount with the devil, okay? These giant beasts, these mythic creatures that some of them breathe fire and some of them other uh, elements. But what's the truth here? Because these these warriors have been sent in to, you know, to slay these monsters. But the monsters have their own truth. And what is wonderful about getting to play with magic and all of my love of fantasy and the elements that I can bring to the story are that through some of the sorcerers, we're going to get to moments in the story where spells are able to break the um, barrier of language between humans mm-hmm. and ultimately non-humans. So you could you're, you're in battle with this thing, and then imagine you're suddenly able to communicate with it, and you're suddenly able to find out why it's defending maybe this part of a forest so um, adamantly, and why it's so violent against humans. And maybe what you've been told, again, isn't always the truth. Well, and when you're talking about dragons, like the the Western idea concept of dragons versus the Eastern idea <gasps> of dragons, Dude. like a creature that's revered by some and yes. feared by others yes. and, and even operates in water versus yes. flying in the sky. We have so, sea dragons, yeah. we've got forests, we've got mountain dragons, but, but, yeah. but again, most of them are... Um, nearly extinct and so that's an important part of my exploration of ideas revolving around ecology and sustainability but really it's a story about identity and again power structure and how we um, have to learn how to communicate together and again all that stuff aside it's just it's knights yeah freaking samurai battling maces versus you know throwing stars I bring in some ninjas from the south it's gonna be like 
Ah, uh, and, and my artist, Federico Mele, he's in Rome. Teresa Matsura, who is the host of Uncanny Japan, who I then reached out to as a fan and asked if she would help consult with me so that I make sure as an American writer that I'm not appropriating anything right. you know, improperly. She has just been so freaking awesome, man, giving me so many wonderful pointers and guidelines. And we're going to have the Japanese character speaking, and it'll be written with my my inker, I mean, my, uh, my letterer in kanji, which I think is going to be really cool. I, I mean, I I want to just say that when I heard about this, like the the immediate image that flashed in my brain was I was just very excited about like the POV of the, like the first meeting of these guys of the knights seeing the fully uh, the regalia of a samurai looking like these creatures themselves, but then the flip side, the samurai seeing the very first glimpse of these knights and this this armor that looks very alien and just sort of that that clash of their own mentalities as they're seeing these different things. So yeah. like, that that's what popped in my brain. So I'm, I'm I can't very wait for you to see that moment. This. It is it is I just have been looking at art constantly and every time I get a new piece of art I freak the f out, man. It's so cool. Um, and that will be coming soon. So by winter um, we'll be We'll be dropping issue one. We'll be announcing soon exactly the release date. But um, also, we're getting incredible variant covers. We're getting incredible interior art from Fede, um, and Todd supervising all of this and being my you know shepherd into this yeah. has been such a gift because he gets this. He just got it from the beginning and getting to pitch it to him and seeing how excited he got over the idea and how much love he has for the characters I've created um, has been an honor because he's always been a hero of mine and. You know, it's weird, man. Here I am at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm a full-grown man, and I'm suddenly friends with people like Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee, and I'm getting to present at the Eisners with Mark Buckingham, and I'm mm. just like, what is my life? I don't know, but I'm not going to question it. I'm so grateful to be here, and I'm just so thankful. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I always I always kind of say that I want to time travel uh, back to, like, 10-year-old me and be like, hey, little nerd uh, who thinks he's awkward and weird. Well, you are awkward and weird, but everything you're into now, just wait. Like, all of this stuff, this is, this is you got a good road ahead of you. Um, before I wrap it up, um, yes. I do want to ask, because you've, you've covered a lot of ground, and we have, like, a lot of crossover with interests, you know, even Japanese culture, and mm-hmm. I know... You were even, you worked uh, on fishing boats in Alaska. True story. So, and I was just recently in Alaska and I was like researching folklore and some things that um, amongst the indigenous people is very, is considered um, that people believe in it and it's very scary and very powerful. What is like some of the lore in your travels that's really stuck with you as far as you know, that is a scary sounding monster or that is an impactful creature, you know, something that has resonated with you in a big way through your travels. Since I was a kid, every road trip, every journey, and now as an adult, I get to travel the world and go to some of the coolest places in my opinion. Um, And so that is a thing for me. Yeah. Exactly what you're talking about as the cryptozoologist that I aspire to be in my life and as the person who loves to study folklore and is, is by no means an expert, but a student of this stuff, um, Wendigos, uh, you know, being in the great Northwest where I spent a great deal of time in the United States and all of the, you know, Bigfoot and Sasquatch uh, mythology and, you know, searches were always really fascinating to me. It was always those smaller town, um, you know, uh, lore that you, if you were an outsider, might sound kind of like, huh? But anybody in that town, even the most pragmatic or like most like kind of like 
non-believer type person mm-hmm. if you said something to them the way that they would react over a certain thing and the one example that comes to mind i grew up in the midwest but going on road trips into like the ozarks in southern missouri there was this um this place in between like outside of joplin missouri and heading uh, down to like quapaw oklahoma that was called Spooklight road oh yeah i know it so yes. It's it's been covered by uh, Unsolved Mysteries. It's been covered by a couple of mm. different TV shows over the years, and people have written about it. And it's been theorized everything from you know uh, gases being emitted from the, the way that the soil is is interacting with whatever elemental uh, in the night Native and that American lights. Spirits, yes, yeah. yes. So there's something really chilling. Mm. Like if you go in certain parts of the country and you were to say Mothman, a lot of us, you know, we go, oh, that's cool. Or some people go, oh, the moth, there's a moth, yeah. it's a man. There are people that in certain regions would just be like, there's no question. That is a real thing. My aunt saw that. My uncle saw that. So spook light to me was terrifying in a really beautiful, wonderful way and also so captivating. Um, but man, I could, we could do, a, let's do one of your shows yeah. about that because all the places I've gone, I immediately go on to um, Atlas Obscura mm-hmm. and then I try and find... Um, that stuff i know i'm sorry guys i know you're watching at home and you're like guys no don't i think people this is what i mean that's at least why they pay attention to me i think this is what they're here for i can't stop i get going and it's only the morning here and i i'm just i just want to talk about this shit all day long man no me me too especially when you look when you remove the labels of things whether it's spook lights or will of the wisps or whatever when you just remove the labels and look at badlands and chupacabra and the jersey devil and there's so many cool ones yeah Uh, there's there's more that connects us through our folklore and our monsters than divides us agreed so uh (laughs) we could do this all day Uh, i could do this all day um but i know you've got other places to be uh david it's just such a pleasure Thanks, speaking man. with you. It always is. Thank and you. I I'm love Den Geek, and it's great to be here. And uh, it's just such an honor to get to come and talk about all this stuff I love so much. So thank you. And everybody. I'm happy for your continued success. Thank uh, you. David, happy birthday again. Thanks, buddy. Happy Comic-Con. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you in uh, New York with the Jerry Flash Mob. That's right. Creep it real, folks. And that was David Dasmalshian joining Talking Strange for his third time, which I think earns him some sort of blazer or membership card of the weird. What about you? I mean, you listen to this show. Do you think you should have a membership card of the weird to show off that you are a Talking Strange stranger fiend? Or maybe you have a story of the strange and unusual you would like to have shared on a future episode. Email me at TalkingStrange at DenOfGeek.com. Plus, go ahead, send guest suggestions, ask questions about me or the show. Send it to TalkingStrange at DenOfGeek.com. Plus, I encourage you to come join the fun on our Patreon.com slash Aaron Sagers for movie watches, exclusive videos, trivia live streams, cocktail recipes, surprise guests, and more. You can also pick up spooky nerd merchandise at the SpookyNerdShop.com. SpookyNerdShop.com. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this has been Talking Strange. Until next time, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. 
If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content. Mm-hmm.